Um, I don't like politic like you're supposed to and like play nice with the the whoever's booking. Like I don't do any of that shit. Because in my opinion, like the whole reason I do stand up or like one of the main reasons is because I don't want to have like a corporate ass job like creating art. Yeah. Right. And then doing. <laughs> Massive. This is funny. That yeah. just created. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have an art site online. Uh, GoWallArt.com. Little, uh, little just gonna say I don't. I don't go against the grain. It's I don't take the just, hard path. It's funny how that came out. So. <laughs> You make a damn good barista. <laughs> the only thing he's good at. Currently. <laughs> Water? No coffee? I already had my coffee. Don't here. you need to be fired up? I just finished my coffee a couple minutes ago. I um, think you were setting up my microphone on the Quran. I'm really, <laughs> really, <laughs> really excited about that. I thought are the other side. Already? I thought the other side might be offensive. Are we? Are we recording already? Yeah. Okay. The other side. For context, the reason why that's funny is it's a Shakespeare book. Oh, <laughs> it's got a picture of Shakespeare on the other oh, side. Nice, on the other side, yeah. The absolute opposite of the Quran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. All right, so welcome to the Scattered Banter Podcast. We're here with a special guest today, good friend of Thomas's, and I'm gonna let him introduce because it's his buddy, so he knows more about him. Why not? Give the stage to him. Yeah, we're here with Julian Lacrosse. He's a comic, a uh, comedian from California. He's traveled all over the place. Um, he's been doing it for what, five years now? Seven? Seven and a half. Seven. Jesus, man, that is amazing. Thank you. So, yeah, got some fun stories today, some interesting stuff. Can't wait to dive in. That's good. Do you have questions too? Yeah, good. lots of questions. Are you going to do your AI question? Uh, yeah, we're going to have question, our AI section. Question of the It's episode. a little bigger, actually, today. There's Is like, it? Yeah, AI asked a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah? It did. It's like, hey, I've heard about your podcast. These five people told me, so we want to know now. Yeah. <laughs> you hold this. Okay. This is for you, buddy. Sounds good. You did all that work on that. I you added should, like You added things. four questions. <laughs> I love your shirt, by the way. Sinners, assholes live forever. Thank you. I feel like the assholes live forever uh, quote is... It's coming back, or it's not coming back. It's just making a, a, a popular round. Uh, the the clothing brand itself is actually so it's called Assholes Live Forever. Uh-huh. But if you're like cheap, like I am, um, they sell really <laughs> they sell really like cool designs and quality clothing for like 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 for instance, this shirt will be twenty four ninety nine on the website. Uh-huh. But they always have promo codes where it's like eighty percent off the store. So this Damn. Shirt, yeah, so this shirt is like a five dollar shirt. How much did it cost That's to not ship bad. it? Um, I mean, I when I bought. Of a bunch of stuff the last time, like three years ago, uh, my total order was seventy dollars, but I got like six shirts, like a hat, a beanie, some stickers. Damn, oh, man. yeah, make it worth your while. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, I probably should buy some more. I haven't bought any clothes in like th- three years because I'm just like <laughs> a fucking loser. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh! <laughs> you know? I can give you some clothes if you want. <laughs> I don't think I'd fit them, dude. It's toss up. They might be a little tight. Do you have a parachute? <laughs> So speaking of that, uh, so you're not really here for stand-up comedy. It's an intervention. Thomas told me that. <laughs> we got you. Man. No, but so. We so, want to uh, talk to you about our cult. <laughs> have you heard the good news? Uh, so Thomas told me you've been doing this for a while. What is it 
Just uh, we're going to go down some. I had some personal questions sure. about stand-up comedy because I have a personal interest in it as yeah, well. Uh, how long have you been doing it, and what was it that got you kind of started in stand-up comedy? Cool. So yeah, I've been doing it um, seven and a half years officially. Like the first, like I'm 34 years old, but the first time I ever got on stage, I was 19 years old. 19. Yeah, and it's like I did it once, and it scared the hell out of me. So I was like, I'm not. I'm never doing this again. Like even though I've loved it since I was a kid. What made like, you get up and do it? Um. Well eventually like I, okay here's the thing i would say that a, little bit. a lot of people probably have like a pretty like tumultuous you know 20s i feel like like a lot of people go through a lot of shit in their 20s yeah for me i was no exception to the rule i had like a pretty rough time in my 20s and by the time i got to like 26 27 i kind of had enough of like just like being depressed and being anxious and not being okay with like knowing inside that I wanted to like tell jokes on stage, but I wasn't doing it. Yeah. Right. So like, that was kind of like the breaking point for me. Also, I will say, you know, just like candidly, um, psilocybin mushrooms really played a big role in this because like for a long time, and Thera actually, therapy wise, therapy wise. Yeah. For a long time, a lot of my like good friends and, and Thomas is one of them that can contest to this. People would tell me for years and years, like, dude, just go do it. Just, like, get on stage. Like, you've been talking about it. You should just go do it. Like, Not the mushrooms, but getting on stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting on stage yeah. on mushrooms. It, don't ever do it. I've done that once. Did you really? Yeah, it was the worst decision. I was like, oh, my God. Really Thomas decision. hasn't pressured me to do mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. I must not no. be that good of friends with him. But, but then, like, when I started doing the mushrooms, I feel like it kind of, it kind of like, opened up my brain a little bit. And it also got me to kind of confront a lot of like the internal reasons that I was holding myself back from doing the one thing I've I heard that to too. Do. Like it takes away a lot of the ego, I think. Big time. Big time. And like that's the other thing too, is like I've been funny since I was eight years old. Yeah. So like I would go up on stage a couple times and I would just like eat dicks, just like bomb my ass <laughs> on and I, I'm like That's a rough school. Yeah. I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not good at this. But then like as time goes on, you start to understand that bombing is just like a part of it. It is a part of it's it. It's a part of hundred yeah. percent. And so like, that doesn't matter. So you should get over that. But the mushrooms really kind of like got me to understand inside, like why I was wanting to do this so bad. Yeah. And then once I kind of like reconciled that and kind of made sense of it within like my own heart and soul, it was like, go time. Yeah. And once the ego isn't there, like the bombing part, I feel like that's a, a big thing that's popularized today in terms of you got to fail in order to succeed and learn from your failures. But that wasn't something that was pushed, you know, right. probably when you were getting started. So the ability right. to push through that is says yeah. a lot. And, and not only that, but like I, I see it now just with other comics that are like, you know, two, three, four years in. Mm -hmm. They still can't get over like when they bomb on stage, like especially at an open mic because like it's rough. Open mics really don't matter. Right? Yeah. And, and, and bombing really doesn't matter. Yeah. But it is rough like it, it plays such a crazy role like in your head like these people don't like me i'm not funny i'm not yeah good enough for take this. it personal it, yeah and like honestly this is one of the things where like with comics it's kind of like a, a cliche but it is true like comics if you're not thinking about quitting comedy like on a regular basis then are you even really doing comedy <laughs> wow it's, it's true. that makes sense but it's true because like, that's rough me, man I'm, I'm seven and a half years in and i've made sense of the bombing because the bombing is like a very crucial part of the writing process yeah like uh comedy is a is a spoken word art form right mm -hmm. and so like i don't sit down and like write down a little setup, punchline, tagline. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I just think of a premise and then I'll go to open mic and just talk about it. Just kind of work it out. Yeah, flesh it out. And then like maybe five or six times after doing that, I'll start to have setup, punchline, tagline for the bit. 
Yeah. Right. That was so, one of the questions I had too. So like about your creative process, mm, we can talk about that sure, later. But, sure. but yeah, the, the bombing thing is the rough thing. So I'm gonna tell you a really cheesy story. So I did stand up comedy as like a, a bucket list goal once upon a time yeah. at a Sacramento comedy spot. It was like a fucking Groupon. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> and, like you had to pay to get on stage? Yeah. I, wow. did, a, I did a seven week course with, uh, this guy, Keith Lowell Jensen, uh, up in Sacramento. And, it was a fun class, and then I ended up getting I'm on curious stage. What the, the size about that guy, or about the course, or both. I ended up getting on stage at the end to doing the the open mic, and it was a it was it was a fun experience. But yeah, I did an open mic. I did two open mics after that. One at Luna's, and I fucking bombed hard. I bombed so hard. It was so bad. I tried some new stuff too, but yeah, it was it was tough getting through it. But he, I think he did a good job preparing us for like this shit's gonna happen. You just have to kind yeah. of roll with it, acknowledge it, basically yes. when it's happening. Yeah. And I did another one at Pepper Bellies, and that one's actually all right. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pepper but Bellies for me, it was, was amazing. It yeah. was it was an eye-opening experience because I had thought about doing comedy for the longest time, and I grew up just you know watching stand-up comedy, probably the same as you, yeah. idolizing certain comics and Absolutely. wondering if I could do that, yeah. live that kind of life. And I think for me at that time, I had kids. I'm like, I just. I, there's no way I, this would be sustainable for me. But I loved it, like being up on stage. Yeah. So for you, you've been doing it seven and a half years. Yeah. You mentioned wanting to quit. So how often would you say that you kind of battle with that? Oh, what the fuck am I doing? Do I want to keep doing this? And what keeps you kind of going? Um, if I'm being totally honest, five <laughs> days a week. Five days a yeah, week. Five days a week. So Take a break from wanting to quit which days? <laughs> no, so here's what it is. So. First of all, I want to go just real quick. Um, yes, go back to the Luna's, big sigh of... Luna's uh, got bought out, so they don't exist anymore. Yeah, they had a last but, time that they did Luna's it. Luna's was like one of the absolute best um, artistic venues in all of Sacramento. Mm -hmm. um, Luna's, for a long time, did a lot to cater to like jazz musicians, um, spoken word poets, comedians. Um, I'm sure there's other types of artistic stuff that went on on that stage. But Luna's was like such a great spot. So mm -hmm. like, I'm glad you got to go to Luna's. Sacramento Comedy Spot, I'm not going to say I go there. Yeah. Um, and the reason why is because um, there's a lot of uh, politics with, like, the lists. Is there politics in that, too? Yeah. Like, the what lists in terms of not so, politics so, so, in? In terms of, like, getting signed up on a, a sheet for open mics? Yeah, yeah. Like, at, at Comedy Spot, you'll have, like, you know, 20 comics, 25 comics that show up to sign up. And then they'll let up 20 comics, but then, you know, the first eight or nine will be, like, the same eight or nine people every week. Yeah. Right? And and so, for me, like, um, I run three open mics, and I produce two shows. And so, in my position of power, if you want to call it that, I have a complete opposite approach. Like, my shit is uh, all-inclusive. Um, it should be, like, a safe space for anybody that wants to come and be creative. So, I don't do any list shenanigans. Like, I don't... Like, I'm very vehemently opposed to, like, all of that type of thing. Yeah. Because so, how does the list work when you're doing it? Is it first come, first serve? Or is yeah, it... Yeah. So, typically, like, some mics, it'll be, like, just show up at a certain time and sign up. And then, like, whatever... Whoever signs up on the list goes up in that order. But also, what I like to do um, is I like to offer comics uh, the opportunity to pre-sign for the um, open mic. And the reason why is because uh, some of my open mics, I schedule them around other open mics so that mm -hmm. comics can hit multiple spots yeah. in one night. And so mine are always the late night mics. Like I don't like the stuff that I run is like nine to like eleven thirty or twelve at night. And so I'll offer pre signs to comics, which gives them a, a chance to go hit 
this spot or that spot, and then they can sign up for mine and not have to worry about missing their spot. They just drive over when they're done. Yeah, they're hitting like targets to buy PlayStations like Thomas <laughs> right, was in right. different areas. <laughs> every single day, you know. Um, so yeah, I have nothing. I have nothing negative to say about Comedy Spot. I just don't go there because I'm not a fan of the the politics. Yeah. Yeah, and like you know, I for me, I'm kind of like a, a comedy like purist if you want to call it. You know, like any it, it the the barrier to entry of stand up should be extremely low because like. It you seems know. pretty low. Well, right. You just have to have a, a way to get in through that double Dutch kind of <laughs> jump rope. Right. <laughs> I think it's a hurdle that is hard for a lot of people to come across. You really have to be fighting with that urge to get up on stage. And, and see, that's the thing is the barrier to entry has to be so low because once you're in, the battle becomes an entirely like internal like with self. Sort it of is thing. because it really is on you and yes. to put in the work. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and then comedy as an art form too, like – you see it in, in a bunch of different spaces, uh, but, like, comedy is kind of, like, the one place where um, being competitive shouldn't really exist yeah. because comedy as an art form is incremental. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I see somebody that says something funny, I don't think, like, oh, I'm funnier than him. How like, long has he been doing it? Yeah, I don't think that at all. <laughs> My initial thought is, like, okay, how am I going to add to that to make it incremental yeah. incrementally more funny? And That's... then they can come back to that's what yeah. the art form looks and like. And that's right? a good approach because I Absolutely. feel like there is that kind of battle in terms of, you know, there's jealousy with some people, with other people. I think it's rare, not rare in stand-up comedy, but it should be more prevalent in terms of supporting the other people around you and, i absolutely agree yeah. and the fact that there's so much ego and narcissism in stand-up comedy amongst comics drives me up a fucking wall yeah i can imagine it, so what's what's your stand-up comedy like what style I, do you have or i honestly i do everything man so like for me um i've always told funny stories so like i i've kind of always been like a funny storyteller right but I also really love telling like one-liners. Like I write yeah. one-liners <laughs> really constantly. Every day I write probably like ten new jokes. There was a guy that did stand-up at Luna's when I went to do uh, the open mic, and he did one-liners, and some were good, and some were kind of groany. But yeah. there are I like yeah, yeah, like, Mitch I, I, or like Mitch Hedberg kind exactly. of one-liners. Mitch Hedberg is one of my biggest comedy influences. He's like he was the man. It was very subtle and yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like though. honestly, like to me, that is kind of what makes jokes like so awesome is that like they can be so quick and so subtle. But like if you're saying something that like is is wordplay or like a double entendre or like whatever, yeah. you know, and it makes somebody laugh. It's like an instant way to connect with somebody. And so like it, yeah, yeah, pulls you in. Is like. You know, it's kind of like uh, eat your cereal of, of, or eat your vegetables. Of yeah, yeah. Comedy, you right? got to have that. So, yeah, for me, I'm kind of all over the place. Um, I will say that, like, my sense of humor is pretty exceptionally dark. Mm -hmm. um, like, I definitely joke about a lot of, like, really dark shit. Like, like really dark shit. Like, for instance. I, uh, I Here like, we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas has been patiently waiting. I was, I was, I was, I was open mic. This last or about a week ago, and uh, you know, I went up last because it, it's my open mic that I was uh, producing. But yeah. I just, you know, it's late at night. It's like eleven o'clock. There's a group of five kids at the bar. They're like oh, twenty-two, no. twenty-three. You know, young, and they're drunk and they're being oh. loud. When you and said kids, I'm like, no, no, no. Parents brought kids to your <laughs> no, comedy. No, no. This is a well, bad idea, so right? <laughs> I kind of thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not allowed at the bar, but these are like you know babies, right? Just like young people. Yeah. So learning how to drink, it, learning how to be a, a human be being in a setting where people are trying to fucking make art, not um, doing a good job. Yeah. Being loud and um, uh, boisterous and obnoxious. And, and so they sit down right in front of the stage and they're doing this. Perfect. Right, exactly. And so 
you know, one of the things that I've learned as a stand-up comic is, like, you know, silence obviously works really good, right, to get people's attention and, like, draw them in. But getting to the silence is, like, kind of an uphill battle. And yeah. so, like, when I saw what they were doing, I was like, all right, I'm going to say some wild shit, right? Like, some absolutely wild shit. Get their shit. fucking attention. Just yeah, like... so I went up there, and I was like, you know, I, I, just, I went into, like, a Donald Trump voice immediately, like, you know, this group of young people right here, I was taking a shit in the bathroom, listening to my favorite podcast about children. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my and, God. And I could hear them all the way through the screams of these kids and the bathroom stall and the bar. And just like, And then as soon as I said that, <laughs> nobody was laughing. The Band-Aid was ripped off. But it was quiet. It was and now quiet. I have Now you have control. Now I, exactly. Now I have ah, them. That's a nice little technique. And then I just did five minutes of my stupid... Welcome to my voice. open mic. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Julian. <laughs> exactly. So you got, like, you got to say, like, like shit like that but see Hi. my sense of humor is dark because like obviously I would never take a shit at, like at Henry's like come on <laughs> like but you see what I'm saying and so like my it, sense it of humor, grabs them early <laughs> and my sense of humor can be like pretty dark um I will say that when I write jokes they tend to be very heavy on like the wordplay and like the double entendres for instance um one of my favorite jokes of mine that I've written recently is like okay Hamas a fundamentalist, jihadist, terrorist organization. Started right? off strong. Hamas. <laughs> they don't eat pork. Okay. I find that surprising considering their name is comprised of mostly ham. Wow. <laughs> so like, It's a ham-based name. You guys don't... Immediately you have problems with this meat. Immediately. 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 <laughs> so that gives you an idea. Exactly. So yeah. for your... Your creative process. Yeah, like, where's where your inspiration from? draw from, or so, what does that look like? I, I would definitely say that. Like, okay, this is gonna sound maybe like kind of douchey, but like, ever since I was a kid, I've just made fun of everything. Like, just everything that happens. Like, there's something to make fun of. Like, but what's that input that you have, or do you need input? Are you looking at you know news stories? Or are you just watching TV and seeing what comes to come to your mind? Honestly, it's a lot of things that just happen to me, like in real life. Like, yeah. or if I see something and I'm like, okay, like I have to like write jokes. About I got to do forever. something about this. Yeah, exactly. Um, but for the most part, I would say that like I draw a, a lot of inspiration, um, from just like conversating with people and, and like thinking about like funny things, talking about funny mm -hmm. things. Um, I will say that like some of my, my humor is, is definitely drawn from like my personal interests and stuff like that. So this is going to sound weird, but like uh, history, like history mm -hmm. books, history articles, sure. anything to do about current events. A lot of that stuff kind of like drives a little bit of the creative process. Um, but then, you know, I, I listened to an interview, maybe like, five or six years ago and it was an eddie murphy interview mm -hmm. and eddie murphy was saying in the interview that like if you were going to commit to being a, a comedian you kind of had to like live in your own head 24 7 yeah right and so i took that to heart and what i took that to heart what i meant that to be is like you got to crack jokes about everything all the time and yeah nothing's really off limits nothing is off limits <laughs> and so i do that now but it, it's like a catch-22 because now that i've trained myself to have like this you know, creative and artistic side of my brain, mm -hmm. right? It gets hard to turn it off. And yeah. so, like, sometimes I'm just looking to, like, relax and not make jokes, right? But I just can't. Like, yeah. last night, there was a party at my house, uh -huh. a social gathering, and I was trying my best to, like, not be funny. But it, just, it just came out. <laughs> it just out. happens. It, it just happens. You're doing yeah. it when you're eight years old, so it's yeah. it's one of those switches that's always on, definitely. it sounds like. Def yeah, definitely. So, 
Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, also, I mean, I would, this is probably pretty typical for comedians, but I've experienced a pretty like rough amount of like personal, just like issues like throughout my whole life. I don't have a relationship with either of my parents. They're both alive. They both suck. Um, I've also been like, you know, uh, woefully like a hopeless romantic in my thirties, but it's because in my twenties I was such a shithead, like especially with the two girls that I was like with for long amounts of time. Yeah. You know? Um, and then I just, I, I also just wake up in the morning and like look at myself in the mirror. I'm just like, you fat piece of shit. Oh my like, God. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> oh man. And, like, that's, that's Are you a... saying that or just reading it off your shirt? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a tight shirt to sell merch. Like behind my fat piece. You want to have a fat piece of shit? Like, um, but all so, sizes especially yeah, so like triple those, x you know those things are like serve as like in, inspiration for like you know being creative um like I, it, it sounds fucked up but like you know i have obviously like a lot of issues with like my parents not being cool mm-hmm. right and so like it comes out in my jokes yeah i'm like, sure that yeah that stuff just i've heard kevin comes. hart talk a lot about that you know where you kind of you need to make jokes about what's personal and what's inside right and so like if you've had like a crazy upbringing or whatnot you're going to be talking about that kind of stuff yeah yeah and it helps because it's truer to you and you're able to talk to it yeah more so it It comes out a little bit more genuine yeah so real quick can i regale you guys with a story that kind of like i would love to hear details how fucked up like my my upbringing was let's go please we want to we want them to listen to the podcast too (laughs) so uh from a young age uh, i was put into like the advanced or like honors classes right but i grew up like poor and in the hood and they didn't really have those classes where did you grow up fairfield okay h wayne richardson was my first elementary school Uh um but i went there and so like i was in a second grade third grade combo class and um, in second grade, I was highly advanced with like mathematical uh, skills, right? Okay. Like, the thing I was good at was, was numbers. And so they had me tutoring the third graders on how to do multiplication and division, right? So I was tutoring these third graders, but one of them was like slow. Like, I think in my like day. They were missing a chromosome slow? Not entirely, but like maybe. In my day, they called it resource. That was like yeah. things that were like a little bit slower, right? I, I think Learning disability, yeah. Right. And so I was I was tutoring this kid, Gabriel, and he just, he did not know how to do like any of the math. Like he just couldn't figure it out, right? And so the second day after I'd been tutoring Gabriel, I, I'm at lunch and I go to get lunch in the lunch line. I see Gabriel is in charge of the milk cartons, right? And I'm like... This, this is, like, the first time I ever had, like, a Jewish-ass thought. Like, all right, I'm going to make some fucking money. Like, the first time. <laughs> wow. Right? Oh, my God. Like, he's he's Jewish, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <sure>. Perfect. <laughs> Just throw that out there real quick. Just so we don't get any hot water. The whole Jew thing's a real hot topic right now. Uh, free Palestine. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, this is the platform to be saying that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, anyways, I, I was, like, seeing that he was in charge of the milk cartons, and I was like, I bet I could take this one dollar i have and go get like all the milk i want yeah exactly and then like i'm gonna clean up here so that's what i did like i took them a dollar and they were like 50 cents each i think so i had a dollar and they're supposed to give me two but i was like gabriel give me three note cards oh wow he's looking at the dollar and he goes are are you are you sure this is this is right and then i looked at start explaining the math to him i looked (laughs) i was in second grade i was like seven years old and i was like would i lie to you gabriel like Real Machiavellian, like, yeah. like come on. Normally, it's two milks for a dollar, but if you talk yeah. times the number of ounces in all these milks, <laughs> just exactly. rationalize it exactly. somehow. 
So he did it. He gave me the milks, and then I took them right out to the playground, and then I sold them for like 35 or 40 cents. Who's each. buying milks? Kids. <laughs> Kids are buying milks. Dude, I told him, I was like, don't spend 50 cents over there. Spend 40 cents Oh, my me. God. So I made a $1.20. Right? Did you keep going back? Check it out. I went home. I'm skipping ahead. I went home. I grabbed all the money I had in my piggy bank at the time, which was like $3. I've got this hot business deal. <laughs> I go to the school the next day with my backpack and I give Gabriel the $3 and I was like, just put all the milks in my bag. Give me all the fucking milks. Yeah. So then he starts putting the milk in my bag and then a teacher walks up and was like, Julian, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm buying all these milks. And she's like, trying to bulk up. (laughs) I was like, I'm I'm buying these milks. She was like, aren't you lactose intolerant? That, this is uh, 19... Trying to fight through it. 1995, 1996. Yeah. The teacher pulled me by the ear. Yeah, she like, did. Oh, and shit. And took me to the principal's office. Oh, my like God. 40 feet away, whatever. So I'd never been in trouble up to this point in my life. I never... like, And I, and I knew what I did. Like, I know exactly what... Like, in my head, I was like, I knew I shouldn't have, like, did, did this to... Like, Got a little taste it, of the good it, life. Dude, I knew I shouldn't have done it. And I was like... Just shaking and like crying and like oh and man, I'm about to get in trouble. And, Genuine and, and remorse. Know, and then I know my mom is like kind of like angry and mm-hmm. just like a bitch, right? So I'm like, fuck, dude, my mom's gonna beat the shit out of me. Like, what is gonna happen? Like, I'm just like, uh, right? If you guys tell my mom, dude. So my mom picks me up, and then the principal tells my mom that I'm suspended from school for like three days. Yeah. And then I get in the car and I'm crying, and then my mom is like, stop crying. Overspilled milk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's like stop crying and I was like aren't I in trouble and she goes no and I was like what and then she explains to me she was like well no she's like what you did is like called capitalism (laughs) oh man (laughs) what you did was like you you figured out a way to make money and then you you did it and she's like I'm very proud of you so so ironically your punishment was taking you out for ice cream even though you're lactose intolerant McDonald's (laughs) McDonald's McDonald's so I was like, it kind of fucked with my brain. I was uh-huh. like, shouldn't I be in trouble? Whoa. For this? Right. But then it reinforced like this super scummy, like negative behavior. Right. Did and it blow your mind? A little bit. But here, so here's the conclusion of the story. I feel so, like this is a good parenting lesson in my head. I'm like, if I had kids, <laughs> that's this, ex- I might this actually exactly... do the same. I don't know yeah. about McDonald's I afterwards. I, I think there would it. be some right and wrong in there. I like, could 100% see. But I would totally like be like, this is what you did right. And this is what you did wrong. Here's how I would have done it if I was in that situation. Next time, don't be so greedy and just up the price and don't let anybody First know. Off, like You should have came to me. Yeah. <laughs> I could have loaned you twenty dollars. <laughs> we could have got all the milks. We in the could school. have been partners. <laughs> yeah. Um, Elon so Musk I, I of the dairy back, industry. I came back to work after my or work school. After my, <laughs> Went work. back to the, my milking business. <laughs> after three days of suspension, and then the first three week, days of suspension for they, buying and selling milk. They told me it's because I took advantage of somebody that didn't know anybody. Yeah, that's where you were like, I feel like that's where that was. And so, and so I first recess that first day back to school, Gabriel and three of his friends beat the fuck out of me. Really? Whoa. I was playing Foursquare, you know, like the, the, yeah, yeah. And then his friend Franklin, I'll never forget the name Franklin. Franklin walked up to me and shoved me into the ground. And as soon as I fell to the ground, they just started beating the shit out of me. Oh my God. And then I I was sent home for another three days because I had like a black eye and a bloody lip and like all this shit. I got hit. Yeah. And then so like, I I remember, what did I do? I remember thinking about it at seven years old, like, 
like in the pain I was in from getting like beat up by yeah. like, the special ed kids, which is also hilarious. Uh, but <laughs> like, jumped. I wish we had video back I, then. <laughs> I remember thinking like, I'll never do anything like this ever again. Like I'll never yeah. like. It was a life lesson. Somebody that that no, that doesn't know any better. Right? Sure. Yeah. And then and then the the fucked up part about it is like. Again, my mom was like, ah, you deserved it. You deserved it. <laughs> what? I left that part out when we were having yeah. McDonald's that yeah, day. Exactly. You just you just said you just pat me on the head for doing this thing that you said was like very smart. Yeah. Like all this shit. Just and know I, that retribution is coming. Yeah, and then and then I get the piss beat out of me. You deserved it. Yeah. It's part it's called taking your lumps. This is part two of the lesson we were gonna this, learn. This is why I'm a comedian. <laughs> it's like I was raised in this household. It's like the dad There's that a lets certain the path kid... the comedians go on and you yeah. fell into that early. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so... like the dad that lets the kid put the fork in the light socket oh, and shocks like, the shit out of themselves yeah, and he's like, Yeah, he'll learn. Yeah. Oh my god, I feel like my yeah, my daughter just said that the other day. He's like I said something about my son doing something stupid and she's like, Did you see the fork in the light socket? <laughs> <laughs> She's she's great. How old your daughter? Uh, she's fourteen, and the older one is gonna be seventeen soon. The Damn, four, is the, she really? The fourteen-year-old is wow, is pretty funny. Man, time gone. Yeah, That's it great. Is. In my head, so she gone. was like, I was like thinking that that the fourteen-year-old was your older daughter for some reason. No, which I should know better. But like, what the hell? That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, no frame of reference. Like None. Time to pursue stand-up comedy. I do have. Yeah, <laughs> that I, I've thought about that. Yeah. It's in the back of the head, just floating around a little bit. So, where can we find some of your <laughs> some of your shows online? Like our bits. I heard or you clips? talking out there about not doing TikTok. It's like, where do you advertise yeah, your so stuff? I mostly on Instagram and Facebook a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, it's on Instagram. You know, um, there is some like stuff of me on YouTube, but a lot of it is like kind of old and outdated. Um, the thing about stand up comedy, I and again, this is why I kind of view myself as like a, a purist, so to speak, is uh, you know live stand-up comedy like in person is just so much better than like what yeah. a video or a clip can like show to the world of like what you're doing the clips are great tools to like get people to come to the shows but for me like i tend to like not post all that much only mm -hmm. because i like people to like come see me is it because you feel more like a purist like you want it to happen more organically it's because he likes to do shit the hard way it, well, says thomas not, I mean, I mean, that, that is true but, but also, I mean, like, I just, I don't want, um, what, what is the, how do I put this? I, I want people to come out and experience it live. Yeah. Right? That's what well, I want. I feel like that it's definitely a good experience, and there's nothing like live stand-up comedy when right. it's good. But I feel like nowadays, the thing that, that brings the people in are these little clips. Yeah, like, I that's went what saw I was Russell Peters say, yeah. just based on the fact that I saw a lot okay. of his skits on and uh, on TikTok. If you think about it, if you're really trying to push like just the whole your perception of comedy, like getting your information out there yeah. to masses will help people understand what That's true. You know too. what I mean? Like yeah. you're in a way you're depriving people. You should <laughs> Yeah, but also, also, you know, the thing, like, that's going to bring them out, but the thing that's going to keep them coming is whether or not, you know, you deliver during those, like the Matt yeah. Rife thing, I heard you guys talking about Matt right. Rife out there, and I feel like he's he's really good at crowd work, it's yes. very entertaining to watch, but I have no idea what his, his, his yeah, bits are like, or his, his stand-up are. He in person, yeah. like, so that's what I was he might not be that great. I know, yeah. I, I feel I'm, like his bits, I've heard that his bits, like, from friends who have so gone, they're, yeah. they're like, he's good, but he's way better on TikTok. Right. And he's, like he's also bringing out the so moms I have a question. and the, the soccer moms, and he's got the oh good yeah, luck. he's and got so the good that looks. That doesn't hurt. My, my sister, okay, uh, bought 
she bought tickets to see Matt Rife, and I was like, too expensive. I was like, bitch, you never been to one of my stand-up shows. Like, you spent you spent seven hundred dollars on Matt Rife. You Holy spend, shit, seven dollars at Luna's Cafe, and that's and, for the drinks. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, exactly. At the drop of a hat. Do you think, and and so this is a sensitive question to some degree, but do you think part of it is fear that you don't put those those posts out there on TikTok and stuff like that? Because fear of of how it will impact like people's perception of you. Not not that fear. How Um, so? I'm going to sound hella stuck up here. I like how you clarify every statement with this is going to sound really bad. Yeah, just Uh, let your freak (laughs) flag fly, man. It's I have no interest in being famous. I have absolutely no interest in being famous. So you really are like the Dave Attell of yeah, stand-up man. comedy, if, and that's if, that's kind of how he's done it. Exactly. If I could, if I, if the happiest version of Julian Lacrosse could exist, the happiest version is being a, a touring comedian that goes around the country and hits comedy clubs, right? But like, you know, you don't. I can still go to like punk rock concerts, and people aren't going to like swarm me because I'm like a celebrity. Like that's. That's kind of one of the biggest fears that I have, because it, it happens now. Like I'm not, I'm a nobody, and it happens now. What What is it about fame that scares you? I hate talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> That's really? so ironic. That's fucking funny. But, so, Ironically, I feel that you way. You are as well. a bit of an introvert. I mean, I yeah. So, so, so here's the thing: is my entire life that like people have known me, I've been labeled as an extrovert. Nah. And and I will say that like I I do tend to have like social butterfly tendencies. I, I tend to be like the guy that everyone knows. And I'm like, kind of, you know, out and about like doing this whole thing. But, but canceling plans uh, is like euphoric, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. Like on the Winnie lines, right? I think it is. Yeah. I, I think like when you, so Julian lived with me for what, two, three years. It was like almost three years. Yeah. In this room, in, the, right? in this room. And it was a very different room. Yeah. There was a bunk bed. <laughs> It's come full circle. There were chains attached to the wall. He couldn't go out yeah. at night. Now you know, you're like podcast yeah. doing stand up comedy. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. How how times have changed. Like I want to take when, that second bedroom at Thomas's house. When you were around the room here, though, I I feel like you're you're you know you would have your time where you would just be alone in your room all the time. And yeah, yeah. and and then like you would go out every yep. couple of weeks. Yeah. And kind of do like you know, my yeah. girlfriend's the same way. She's she's I guess they're called outgoing extroverts, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're very outgoing when you're among people, but you need a lot of time alone for your batteries to kind of recharge. Yeah. And stuff. It helps, I'm um, sure. So here, here, when life for me, I started out very introverted. Like I was like extremely like dorky, and uh, I read books a lot. Like, like mm-hmm. I learned how to read by the time I was like almost four. So I was reading a lot of books as a humble child. brag humble brag right <laughs> but then dude around like age eight or nine like i started watching stand-up and listening to comedy stuff when i was about eight years old yeah and by the time i was nine the only way people would talk to me at school is like if i crack jokes and i was like oh okay like I'm just gonna well, do this. this is like my magic trick exactly and so like it kind of started like from that point on that i was like known as like the outgoing extrovert mm-hmm. right but in the last like three years especially with like my comedy career like uh, surging upwards and me gaining like local popularity and then also being in charge of like running mics and shows everybody wants to fucking talk to me and, yeah and and it's like and now i I'm loathe really it start, I, you know, <laughs> i'm really starting to realize how much i despise it so i'm starting to think that like maybe i have actually been an introvert like my entire life but then also like my mom would like get mad at me when i was a kid for like always staying in my room and and never coming yeah. to the the family room to hang out with the family and um, 
even now, like, have I'm you seen these the JC Penney's catalogs? <laughs> 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 I have no interest in that peasantry shit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, uh, but so I, I definitely like can see that. Um, but like, especially now with comedy, like, um, I don't have a temper, but people being stupid, like in conversation, I'm sure it me, ignites it to some extent. Oh my God. It's just, it's, I, I can't handle it. Like I don't I, have. So you were bright at a very young age, and you were reading books. What are these books that you're reading, and who were some of your influences in comedy early on when you okay. were watching stand up? So yeah, so um, I, <laughs> this is again hilarious. Uh, the first books I was reading, um, and I read a lot of them from age like three until I was about like seven or fucking eight. three years old. Yeah, presidential trivia books. Presidential <laughs> trivia books? Bro, bro, I, I, Who fed you the that? Fuck? Was grandma buying those? Or so, you're not checking those out at the elementary no, school library. My sister actually got them from a scholastic book fair. Uh-huh. My sister's seven years older than me. There's plenty and, of those books available. And there. she brought them home, and I was like looking at one, and I loved like the the pictures in it. But These I guys are so dressed up. Re- exactly. And then I started to learn how to read because um, I had a computer. I forget what the name of it was called. You might know. It was like an 80s-style computer that would teach kids how to write and read. I don't remember. Like a pretty sure it was computer? An Apple. It was, it, was like, it was like a toy, but it was like an expensive toy. And it mm. was like... It, Not like a speaking spell. What is that? That's like the little... It's the red one that you like. it asks you how to spell certain things. Or That might be it. Okay. That might be it. It might have been it. it was, Why are you shaking your head at me? It was like nobody wants to hear your comments right now. <laughs> but, but I, I like learned from that how to kind of like read and write. Okay. And, and then you know the, those presidential trivia books were like the first ones that kind of like interested me. And then also, um, I referenced it earlier, but like I have a, a highly mathematical and numbers oriented mind, and so with presidential trivia books, there's so yes. Yes. Fucking nailed that. Yeah. You see that right exactly there? Speaking yeah. spell. Yeah. yeah. It was black and red in the early 90s. He remembers because he used it when he was in his 40s. I, I helped him. <laughs> 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 he was like, I got into college with this bad boy right here. We went public when we made that, and that, that's how I funded my earlier yeah, adventures. <laughs> um, so I, like, I, I would focus on the numbers in the presidential trivia book so like dates um and, and also like the numbers of the, the presidents that's know? definitely an impressive thing to focus on because it's like a 37 so and so did what's i right. call it 37 was richard nixon yeah, there you go. yeah exactly. wow yeah. that's a rain man moment yeah, it, if i heard it, that's see and that's the thing is like growing up my sister and my mom had just soaked it up where they would be like julian you're so special and i'd be like no i'm not and but like as i got older i started to understand that like wow, like, you really do have some autism. Like, fucking, you're, like, on the spectrum a little bit, bro. You've got this. Ride this lightning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, those were the first books that I was reading. And then as I got older, um, I started to develop an interest in, like, uh, world history and, like, politics and economics. So I was reading, like, you know, high school and college-level books by the time I was, like, 12. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. So I was, like – and then – it's funny. I got. To, I went to college. I started college at sixteen, and college is the one place where you're supposed to read a lot of books. Yeah. By that time, I was completely burnt out. I was like, I don't want to do any more of this fucking reading. I'm... Yeah, this is fucking whack, dude. What I did to... all this. Yeah. There's more. Yeah. You, yeah. You want me to do this more? Like this shit sucks. This feels like the movie plot, like the prequel to Goodwill Hunting or something. It's like. <laughs> it I, I might be autistic, His... but I'm ugly as fuck. So. <laughs> fucking... His younger brother. Uh... His cousin. <laughs> Good. How do you like them apples? Good last will hunting. Good last will hunting. Um, I like but watermelons. As far, <laughs> <laughs> as, 
as far as far as comedic my earliest comedic influences um i'd watched a ton of comedy central presents it seems like a different arc to take like you're reading these presidential books oh, and yeah. these things and yeah i've still watched a lot of that too yeah so comedy central presents but okay the first the first real comedy thing i was introduced to was the jerky boys yeah so the jerky boys if no one if you're not familiar it's like these two guys that would make these crank prank calls, calls. they're from they, new york right they're from new york and they were just like absolutely fucking hilarious like my mom would drive us to work or to school in the morning and like we just listen to like jerky boys tapes and like my mom would hear the the same tracks like a thousand times and yeah still be laughing and mm-hmm. like, i'd be laughing too because it's funny it's so funny it is so that was kind of like the first like intro to it but then I would watch Comedy Central Presents, and I would see, like, Mitch Hedberg, Daniel Tosh, um, Bill Burr. Yeah. Uh, who else was the early one that I really enjoyed? Uh, maybe some of the lesser-known guys. There was a guy named Louis Ramey that had a Comedy Central Presents. He still does comedy, but Louis Ramey is ext- extremely funny. There was a lot of um, one-off comics, I feel like. They were right. really funny that yeah, would do it. Yeah, they're still working in comedy today, mm-hmm. but they only had, like, the one Comedy Central Presents. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam Ferreira also. Yeah, he's a good um, one. And then when I was 13, um, I actually went to a stand-up show at Cobb's, uh, which is a comedy club in San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, and I saw Daniel Tosh live. Oh, and wow. I, and that was, like, the first time that I'd ever seen, like, live stand-up, and I was, like, this is... I was blown away. Because I knew so many of Daniel Tosh's bits from his Comedy Central Presents, mm-hmm. and then when I saw him in person, he didn't do any of those jokes. It was, mm-hmm. like, a completely different you know, half hour. That's and then, nice. Yeah. And then he had like two openers. Oh, and one of his openers, uh, was Arge Barker, which was, who's Sounds like a Sacramento based comic who uh-huh. also had a comedy central presents. Um, but we watched that show, like my mom, his sister and I, and I was just like blown away. And like at that, when I saw that show, I was like thinking about it as like a 13 year old. I was like, damn, like, I think I kind of want to do that. Like, like I, I already loved it so much. Like why not? You know? Um, and then when I was like a teenager, like my, my mom was like kind of hell bent on getting me to not listen to like punk rock music or gangster rap music. Right? Yeah. And one of the best ways that I could like rebel against that was like starting to listen to Richard Pryor. So I love Richard Pryor. me too, man. Richard Pryor is like one of the best who ever fucking did it. And he's just like <clears throat> hilarious and degenerate all the same. And like, for me, you know, that was kind of like where I took a turn where I was like, uh-huh. oh shit, like I really like stand up comedy now. Like, if I'm listening to Richard Pryor, you know, talking about smoking crack and burning <laughs> and being at the brothel that is bad. Yeah, I used to hear it in the background. Oh, that's so, what I'm saying. the fucked up thing for me is that that's my middle and last name. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Aaron Richard Pryor. Aaron Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, go get the crack pipe. <laughs> we got a celebrity in the building. I didn't even here. know I was in third grade and people were like, tell me a joke. <laughs> That's, it was. Oh, I, that's a cool name to have. Honestly. It it was a cool name to have. Dude, and, and you're blacker than him. So I you know. I feel it <laughs> inside, deep down. So some of my some of I feel like some of my earlier influences were that blew me away. My mom used to play this. It were like on records. It was like Flip Wilson. I don't even know. Like he was doing comedy, but the Richard Pryor albums. Uh, I would hear those, yeah. and it was crazy. But then what yeah. did it for me really was Eddie Murphy Raw. And Andrew Dice Clay doing stand up. And I was like, oh my God, it's so funny. Hey. hey. (laughs) Yeah, the fact that Dice like made, you know, $100 million just basically off making fun of like East Coast people is fucking hilarious. Right. And then like, you know, Dice has like this very like hardcore, you know, Irish, Italian, East Coast like persona. But he's fucking Jewish. He is. (laughs) It's an act. It's an act. It's all fake. Yeah. That was, that blew my mind too. Yeah. Dice is the man, dude. 
I, oh my god! I, if Dice is listening, I'd love to open up for you one day. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come watch. <laughs> so you've traveled the the country. What are some of your favorite places to to perform that you've been to? So for me, I've mostly just done like West Coast runs for the most part. Um, I, I performed in San Diego, which was pretty cool. Um, Las Vegas was okay. Uh-huh. Las Vegas is kind of like a degenerate town, it, you know. Yeah. And like the thing is, is like. Okay, so I have, I have a past, like, playing poker for a living, right? And so yeah. my poker friends, I was, like, there was this question, like, all right, Julian, like, who is, like, the more degenerate group of people? Is it poker players or is it, <laughs> is it stand-up comedians? It's fucking right? poker players. It's not, I don't it's know, It's not? Man. It is not. It is stand-up comedians by a mile. Really? Bro, yes. So, so poker players are, like, degenerate scumbags, but at least some of them are good with, like, math and logic, and they have money, right? Yeah. Stand-up comedians, not good with math and logic, <laughs> have no money. By a and, lot. And, yep, and then and then a lot of them are just like backhanded, kind of like uh, uh, unscrupulous. Like, well, they'll they'll uh, behind your back do something to take twenty dollars from you, like that type of shit, right? <laughs> so I, I was out, I was in Las Vegas for like five days doing stand-up, and uh-huh. like every single comic I met was just like I immediately got like feeling for them and I was like oh, it's oh, bad oh, vibes oh, right man, away bad, dude. I don't like this shit we're not going to hang out after yeah no but other than that um, I would say that like my favorite place to go is probably Chico California Chico California yeah. so Chico California has like three really solid comedy venues okay um, and there's one in particular called Gnarly Deli shouts out to Gnarly Deli Gnarly Deli uh, it's a great name they are an amazing place so it's like a it's like a speakeasy like bar karaoke place you go down into the basement um, they have the stage at the front, and it's, like, low ceiling, so it's, like, perfect for yeah. stand-up comedy. Um, I performed there probably, like, six times, but every time I go to Chico, there's, like, a group of people that shows up, and they're like, dude, we're fans of you. We bro. love we you. Yeah, we came because we saw you post on Instagram. You're going to be here. And it's like, that's fucking tight. Like, I can't yeah. believe that that happened. We're wearing like, our asshole shirts, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude, yeah. Uh, and so I, I definitely like Chico a lot. Um, in this next upcoming year, I, I, this is going to tie into what Thomas was saying. Um, I'm pretty stubborn, and also I do like to do things the hard way, and I don't really like make my life easier. But I have like this like very like independent like attitude, and like I don't really like to go to the clubs. Like it, it, it's weird. I get booked at comedy clubs on a regular basis, but it's for like shows that my friends are producing. Mm-hmm. I don't ever get booked for like weekend gigs at the comedy clubs because I don't try to get booked at the comedy clubs. I don't show up and, and do the open mics there. Um, I don't like politic like you're supposed to and like play nice with the, the whoever's booking. Like I don't do any of that shit. I, Cause in my opinion, like the whole reason I do stand up or like one of the main reasons is cause I don't want to have like a corporate ass job, like creating art. Yeah. Right. And then do <laughs> Massive. This is funny. That yeah. just created. Haha. <laughs> I have an art site online. Uh, GoatWallArt.com. Little, uh, little just going to say I don't, I don't go against the grain. It's I don't take the just, hard path. It's funny how that came out so easy. <laughs> Facts. Uh, and so, like, I, I, I just I don't really, like, do that. And I really should. So in the next year, I'm, I'm like, making I feel it like it's this battle, man. Resolu- like, it is. Let it go, man. Put the I, bag of weights I don't, down. I don't want to sell out. Guys. Look, you just said uh, how much I, you like your I, fans. I, I, I do. I but love, then you I simultaneously, you about more of 10, them? 5, 10 minutes yeah. ago, you said how much you don't like talking to people. Well, right. But So, it, like, you, you, 
it'll balance out is what I'm saying. Right. It's some point. And if it doesn't, then just, you know, do what Dave Chappelle did. Walk away. Do you have right. a, a TikTok channel? No, just Instagram. Okay. We're going to get just, you on TikTok before the end of this show. <laughs> I created one for this and That's I'm trying right. to see if it's going to come out, but I, it might be something to try. Like, it might be. Be sure to check out part two of this episode with more great stories from our special guest, Julian LaCrosse. <laughs>